Welcome to the What I Meant to Say podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, founder of Be Better Media and a mom of four, passionate about human connection. Some of these stories contain sensitive content about real life events, and all of the information in this podcast and from anywhere on the Be Better Media website is for informational purposes only. If you find that you need help, which we all do from time to time, please reach out to a licensed professional for help. At the base of any resilience story is a reckoning we must have with ourselves. Case's story caught my attention because of the beautiful way he has chosen to tell his story through health, creativity, and movement. Come hear what he has to say about writing, plant-based living, and functional movement, and how they created a path from depression to alignment with his own mind, body, and spirit. And with that, a deeper connection with the world around him. I am so um, excited today to be joined by Case Bradford. Um, one of the things I love about social media is it actually does connect you with some really cool people that you may not have had the chance to meet otherwise. Um, Case has embraced creativity and movement and nutrition to transform his life and connect with others. And I noticed that and just really wanted to have a what I meant to say conversation with him. So thank you so much for joining me today, Case. Absolutely. Thank you for the wonderful intro. Happy to be here speaking with you and, and looking forward to our conversation. Oh, I love it. I, we're doing this via Zoom and I can, your your aura, it, it, like you, the smile, you, your your presence shines through cyberspace. So it's <laughs> cool to feel that. And um, I just, you know, let's just get started. Like, tell me about where you grew up and, you know, how you got into this space where you're, where you are now. I grew up in Bedford, New Hampshire. So it's about an hour north of Boston, a little suburban town. Um, it's very snowy and, and cloudy. Some people don't know this, but New Hampshire is a state. It's in between Maine and Vermont. And it was it was a quiet, quiet, quiet town. Um, I had a nice upbringing at a twin brother. Mom and dad still live in the same house that, that we grew up in. So it was um, great in a lot of ways. And now I, I find myself in, in Los Angeles. I'm in Santa Monica. Um, been on this planet for around 32 years. So it's it's been a, a bit of a ride and I'm glad to be where I am now. I know there were certainly points along the way where I, I never would have thought that I'd be um, where I am now. So it's great to, great to be along for the ride down the journey and I'm happy to be speaking with you here today uh, about all this. So tell me, um, okay, so a twin brother, are you uh, identical or fraternal? We're fraternal. Um, I actually say that there's a third option called opposite twins, and, and that's what we are. So we're very, very different in a lot of ways, uh, which which was was interesting. Um, a lot of people wouldn't have guessed that we're even related if we're hanging out and, and together. Wow. Wow. That I'm sure that puts a, a dynamic on the way you grow up. And um, did you guys always get along? And and or how is, uh, you know, how is how's that experience just having a twin and being raised, you know, in the same household with same parents. I'm always fascinated by same parents and 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 different outlooks. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, that's a great point. It, because I I think you know when we when we consider how people end up versus you know how they were born, there, there's always this conversation between like nature and nurture. And if and if you have the twins are in a especially interesting example because in a lot of cases they are the same nature and the same nurture. Like identical twins are are literally right. you know the same DNA and they have the same same parents. Um, but yeah, we were definitely cut from a similar cloth in, in some ways and that must have been uh, the parenting that we had. And then 
also are, are very different in a lot of ways, which must have been something to do with the, just whatever makes somebody unique, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, did you play, did you play sports growing up? Yes. Yeah. I played pretty much all the sports, just um, really gravitated towards some of the more, uh, I guess, aggressive ones like football and, and lacrosse and, and wrestling. Um, I think I had a lot of pent up anger that was really helped uh, to be released through those through those activities. Yeah, definitely. I know I I, I can I can relate to that. Um, just the, the physical physical exercise and being able to to move and be an athlete, and then what it teaches us about life is is so much a foundation of you know how I started having these conversations and um, but also just realizing that there's such a difference between sports and being driven and actual functional movement and feeling our bodies and allowing that sports sport or movement to be something that opens us up to bigger possibilities for ourselves and I think um you know to just a little bit that I've been exposed to what you've been doing that's something that has has seems to resonate with you too so can you tell me a little bit about like what you see as the difference in your sporting experiences versus what you're doing now with functional movement. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is interesting to think about movement just overall and how we are, we are movement in a lot of ways, you know, more than anything else where we're constantly moving, always in motion. Some part of us is, you know, our heart is always beating, our blood is always flowing. And then from there, I find that the more movement I integrate into my life, the better I feel. Nothing is worse than being stuck sitting, uh, you know, being seated all day or on an airplane. It just makes me feel terrible. I feel stagnant. I feel my brain starts to get depressed and, and literally depressed, you know, I'm kind of squished down like a hose being kinked. And growing up, it seems like the, the best outlet is either sports that you do with your friends or it's going to just play outside, which is usually, I don't know, like hitting your friends with sticks or something, <laughs> like whatever, whatever kids do, you know, just play with things and climb rocks. And as I, as I got a little bit older and, and left the school system, there were, you know, fewer opportunities to just play sports. So I started kind of discovering um, different movement practices. I think the first functional fitness method or practice that I came across was martial arts. So that was um, helpful going from a small town to a more urban environment where I saw more violence. Um, I was much smaller in size and I wanted to know how to defend myself a little bit. So there was a real practical, functional aspect to learning martial arts and having some confidence to be able to defend myself. Along that path, I learned other things like discipline and the value of, of repetition, where if I, you know, repeated a certain kick or um, a certain grappling maneuver over and over again, I would get better at it. And I could take that learning and apply it to other areas of my life, just knowing that the more you practice something, the better you get at it. Um, from there, I realized that I don't live in a Kung Fu movie and I almost never get into fights. <laughs> so, it was, so there was some functional element there, but not, not completely, you know, what a couple of things happened when I learned that the more you learn about fighting, the less you want to get into a fight. So just, you know, the best self-defense is to run away. You never want to risk um, any sort of physical altercation. And then I started to think more about, well, what are the other functions that I can apply fitness to, to sort of elevate my everyday existence? Yeah, that's, that is beautiful. And I know that 
through movement, you've also integrated nutrition into that. And I, 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 I from what I, I listened to you on another podcast, obviously, before um, we had this conversation, and I know you've um, dealt with some depression. Um, can you take us back a little bit to, you know, where, when you started to struggle with your mental health and um, what that felt like? Yes. Yeah. So that would have been most of my life growing up really all through, through college. So, and I'm, I'm fascinated by, by nutrition. Um, it's so, it's so amazing to see where we've gotten as a society. We're so advanced and yet we seem to have forgotten the most important thing, which is the deep relationship between what we consume and, and how we feel. And growing up, I had braces. I had acne. I was, I was really skinny. I had a lot of anxiety and depression. And I never really, I just, it was kind of commonplace like that. It's just life. Everyone was kind of dealing with that. Some people went on various pharmaceuticals to resolve these issues, but there was not much really any talk about nutrition. The only thing I got was in school, which was kind of around like uh, eating certain foods for like low calorie, low fat, um, eating your whole grains. And then later on, I started to learn more about this thing called the paleo diet. And I, I tried that out and really had some amazing results. I started to feel better than I ever had. And that's when I realized like, oh, you can be like this. This is, this is awesome. And that was just through nutrition, just really getting rid of processed grains, getting rid of added sugars and um, seed oils primarily. So just getting rid of like those three um, elements of our food system that are in a lot of processed foods activated this part of me that I was pretty much dormant, which I called depression, which was just feeling dark and down pretty much every day and having a lot of deep, dark thoughts. And from there, um, it's been a bit of a journey. Uh, it's had its ups and, ups and downs, but um, that was how it started. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're hitting on something so crucial and key here that I think is becoming part of the greater consciousness little by little, but that, you know, the gut brain connection, I think I read my first book on that about 10 years ago. Um, my youngest son is on the autism spectrum and, and helping him feel better is what made me realize, well, this isn't just for him. This actually makes all of us feel better and perform better and have better relationships. And when you realize that the way that your gut brain access works and then your enteric nervous system, which was something I had never heard about. I mean, all through biology and you hear about your nervous system, but you never knew that there was another one, right? And that enteric nervous system and that vagus nerve and how those things are being activated by your food choices. It almost just sounded so out of left field, but the more that I've paid attention to it, I am so fascinated by where we are as a society and whether we're going to grab on to what we're learning, because I know that we, you know, there, I don't believe that people got into things intentionally to hurt anyone, but I do believe we are up against a power structure and a corporate structure that is benefiting from the way things run now. And as we learn new things, how do we get those ideas out there? And I think that our stories are one of the most powerful ways to really disarm people and say, no one's here to hurt anyone. But when I see how your life has been transformed and I'd love to hear a little bit more about the, you know, the, the food options that you choose. I know, like you said, grains, you know, no processed grains and, and, and oils, but like if someone were trying to implement some of this in their own lives, what are some 
of the products that you use that you think would help someone get started um, to clean up their gut-brain connection? I agree full-heartedly. It's, it's really like swing, swimming upstream at first, and there are so many different perspectives about how to eat, especially for optimal health, health, um, resolving certain diseases. It's just like such a wild west. Um, you know, everyone sort of recognizes that we're, we're in a bit of a pickle with the um, junk food situation. And then there's all these different diets. And what fascinated me is how a lot of them are, are opposite to each other. There's, there's some folks that are saying, eat only meat, some saying, eat only plants and like everything in between. So it's it, like, it can be so <laughs> overwhelming, right? It can be so overwhelming. And I'm open to the idea that, you know, it, it, it could be a very individual thing. And I actually think that it is. I think that what works for some people doesn't work for others. Although I will, I'm fairly comfortable to say like, none of us should be eating the amount of sugar that's in the typical American diet. Whether you're, you apply, you know, whether you, your body responds to vegan or, you know, meat-based or some come paleo or keto, all of these things. I, 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 it seems to me that different things are working for different people, but the sugar epidemic across the board, I am like, talk about being in a pickle, you know, we're really creating a lot of inflammation in our systems and harming that gut brain connection. So I assume you're eating a low sugar diet. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great way place to start is, is just taking a look at how much sugar you're consuming. It is, a, I look at it like a drug because it is, it is a drug. It is absolutely a, a white addictive powder that provides no health benefit that is, is going to keep you coming back for more. And um, so the first step to just be like, stop consuming, you know, drugs, especially sugary drinks like, like soda, that's um, no different from cigarettes in, in my mind, no different from cigarettes. And we're giving it to children. A lot of times it's um, really pretty sad how accepted it is um, in modern society. Um, and then I also agree completely that everyone is unique. There's this book called Biochemical Individuality, and it goes into how unique we are. We all have awareness of our, our fingerprints. You know, we've got 10 different funky designs on our phalanges. I mean, uh, 20, actually, if you count all the phalanges, fingers and toes. And, and that's one aspect of what's unique about us. You can dive deeper than that. Our, our liver, our pancreas, our digestive system, our heart everything is very unique. Some people need five times the amount of vitamin A that other people need. So to say that there's one way to eat that's going to be fit for the entire human race is completely insane. So what, what I've come to believe is that inside all of us is this thing called intuition that um, I think everyone has some sense of, of what that means. And you can tap into that to know what to eat. You can follow your cravings. Once you align your body to whole food, minimally processed food, you can just follow your cravings. You'll crave beef. Maybe you'll crave chickpeas. Maybe you'll crave rice, maybe eggs. And, and you can really follow that to find a comfortable eating pattern. Um, and I think the first step to that is going to be getting rid of the processed food, heal your gut-brain connection, like you said, and that will help you access your intuition, which isn't talked about so much on the mainstream uh, science, but it's so true. It is so true. And it's like you never... I never realized until just recently how incredibly really true it is that when someone says trust your gut and that ability to trust your gut, you know, you think that that's some woo-woo concept and it's like, no, it's actually ground in, in our physiology to be able to trust your gut. 
And so how, how healthy can we make our gut so that it is giving us good information so that we can make those choices? Because the truth is, and this is something that a through line that comes through, and I, I want to get to your writing because I'm a writer too. So that's the other thing that really attracted me to this interview. But um, for me, when I write, I've always had this through line of the soil under our feet, the food that we eat the individual that it nourishes, the relationships that that individual is then able to have and in, in, in friendships and families and how that plays all the way out into society. And I don't think that we're looking at it from this holistic standpoint. So often it, we get stuck in one of those places and it's like, no, but honestly, what is in the ground is what is coming out into the world and into the air and the, and it's so integrated and it's so connected that it feels so big to me sometimes. But I, when I see what you have created between creativity, movement, and nutrition, you see how that just, it, it, it's, it, it illustrates exactly where I see the hope in the world at this point like if we can get a hold of these things and that when things feel out of control these are the things that i always go back to so um i know you're a writer and um tell me a little bit about how you got into um that expression of yourself that was really well said really really beautiful oh, it gave me the chills um oh, thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah just thinking about all everything from a holistic standpoint we yeah, our, what gives our food value, what gives us nourishment, it does, does all start in the soil. And we evolved from microbial life in the soil. So that, you know, those are our forefathers in a lot of ways, our, uh, our ancestors. And um, at, I believe at our core, we are creative beings. If you go back even further, we emerged from somewhere, somehow, and that was a creative act. And we're sort of the outpost of that, where the you know far-reaching fractal tendrils of some unfolding matrix of life and when at least in my experience when I when as I became well nourished as I started to access the magic that's happening in the soil I, I started to feel more of that magic in myself just the urge to make things and create things and consume less um, so writing writing was and still is a way that I, I'm able to help clarify my thoughts and and kind of just an easy way to create that I enjoy um, I've always been fascinated by words and the way that we kind of communicate and express ourselves and kind of make these little letters and symbols to kind of communicate our ideas, which it can really feel like such a jumbled mess in our minds. And then just to being able to get it out on, on paper. And a lot of times I feel like something else comes through where I, when I'm writing well and when I enjoy it the most, I feel like I'm not writing at all. And there's this something often called the muse kind of comes and, and flows through and feeling that uh, just it's really enjoyable. I, I just love it. So yeah. reminding myself how good that feels and, and returning to that, to that method, to that process, to that practice as often as I can just brings a lot of joy into my life. So um, that's why I do it primarily. Yeah. And I love what you're hitting on there with the, you know, create and creating being greater than consumption. And um, I'd love to dig into that a little more. Cause I think, you know, living in, we're living in, in LA, you know, California, American society, capitalism i'm super super um curious about a conscious capitalist um conversation these days because i i am such a i am a i'm an american and i'm proud of being american and i love where i live but you know we do have to find that deeper meaning in our economy 
And I think that hitting on that um, creation instead of consumption is such a place where we could drill down and, and maybe get some movement on creating meaning behind what we're consuming. So I'd love to get some of your thoughts just on that, that concept or go a little deeper on consumption or creativity over consumption. Yes, I agree 100%. We are certainly over, over consuming on an individual level, person to person basis. And you see that manifest uh, globally with the way that we are um, using too many natural resources at, at, at too great a rate. Um, I think the most visual example of that is just deforestation. Um, but you could also look at all the plastic in the ocean. Um, th there are so many sad examples. And to begin to have a conversation around just reversing that and regenerating the world around us uh, definitely does start with creating a better world, creating the more beautiful world our hearts know as possible, which is a, a phrase that Charles Eisenstein uses a lot in his book by the same title, which really inspires me. Um, such a beautiful phrase and a great way to think about um, life and, and action and commerce and conscious capitalism. There's um, a big reason why I moved to California from the East Coast, because it was such a, a prevalent movement out, out here. Uh, and it, it's just a way of, of doing business that improves everything and helps everybody. There's a triple bottom line. You're helping, you know, you're making money, you're helping people, you're helping the planet. I believe it was started by John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods. He took his little garage um, grocery store, you know, to this giant enterprise, um, multi-billion dollar um, enterprise. So we really proved the method. He was like, hey, this, this works. Like you can, you don't have to be a cutthroat capitalist. You can help, you can help people. We can help the planet. We can, we can do things the right way and still make money. And it's such an inspiring concept and, and we can integrate those ideas into our everyday life if we really uh, stop to think about what we're doing and how we're doing it. Yeah, I, I love that. And I'm, I, I agree with you 100%. It's, it's part of the reason why I'm, I've launched into this, the podcast and some of the other productions we're creating is just to really put deep connections between, behind people who see the value of deep meaning and behind what we do. And um, one of the ways that I love, um, practically speaking, uh, another thing I saw on Instagram is that you are picking up plastic um, and you're on a, tell me about um, that mission and how you practically, you know, walk the walk of what you're talking about right now. This is like a, this was a small project, um, a contribution that my girlfriend and I, Fiona, we saw just a lot of trash on the beach. We live near the Santa Monica Pier and um, there's a lot of tourism there um, and there's just a lot of trash that accumulates. So one day I think we picked it all up and then just thought like, how much of this can we pick up over the year? And I was like, maybe hundred, 200 pounds. She's like, let's do 500. So we got like a little fish uh, scale, which is under those five, 10 bucks on Amazon. And you just, can just hang whatever you pick up um, and just weigh it. So um, we'll go down there and, and just scoop up the trash and see how much it weighs. <laughs> and they're just trying to get 500 pounds. I love it. You're like, you're, you're gamifying, um, cleaning up the earth. I absolutely love it. Cause it does. I mean, that's even a little bit of the athlete in you, right? Like we love yeah. metrics and we love to know that there's, you know, something we can measure. I mean, I'm a swimmer and I, I always, I was like, oh no, I like to swim an even number of yards, or I like to swim that one more lap. And it's like that idea of like, let's set a goal that actually matters to the planet. And then 
you know, a way to spend time together. Like it, there's just so many beautiful things about that. And I, I, you know, I loved that post that you put up and I, you always put great words to it. So I, it's really cool to see people that don't just talk, you know, don't just talk, but there's action behind it. And I think that's the way people learn and are inspired. So my hat's off to you on that one. Thank you. Really yeah, it's, cool. a, it's a small, uh, small thing, but it is, it is surprisingly fun. It's something that you can do with, with anyone. And it's a decently good workout. Like you're doing a lot of squats, especially if you're getting yeah. <laughs> back to that functional movement. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, I wanted, you know, I'm going to pull up one of your, uh, I want to pull up some of your words um, and just maybe you can give us some insight um, because I, I just think that you put such beautiful words on um, on some of your posts here. And um, okay, these are some of Case's words that I just were so drawn to, but, um, and you'll have to watch the video because the functional movement is incredible, but head game, don't get it twisted, magic happens. Remember to believe because magic happens. Don't trip, hold fast to your beliefs in yourself, your mission, your vision, one life, make it happen, easy, simple. It is a breeze, belief breeze at your back, wind in your sails, dwell not on your fails. Each is a learning lesson, boosting your wisdom, all progress, always winning. And my blog is called The Optimist Journal. And I do truly believe in optimism because we're either grateful or growing, right? I mean, there's always something to be grateful from with, you know, to be grateful for in even the most difficult circumstances. And when I read those words, I was like, gosh, this is so aligned with, with optimism and how we grow through even the hardest things. And so um, I just tell me a little bit about your views on, on, on optimism. I believe that part of my perspective on, on optimism, I, I learned practicing jujitsu. Um, I, I want to say Henna Gracie has a saying that there's no losing in jujitsu, only learning. And that's certainly something we can apply to life. I think in the school system, we learn, you know, if you get an F or if you get a D, you're bad and, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. But once you get out of the school system, you start to, you know, life is certainly going to deal you some, some losses, some setbacks, some blows. Um, and you know, from what I've, what I've found in, in my life is that if I sit there and I dwell on it, if I feel bad, if I feel ashamed, as if I got an F on a test, then it hurts twice as much, if not more, it, it, it can become a real setback, a real rut that you get stuck in for, for years. Even uh, some people never leave those ruts. They, they dwell on their regrets forever for you know and they turn into alcohol and they go down this whole downward spiral that was triggered by their belief about what it means to not hit the mark and there's this other way of looking at the the world which is no this is just a lesson you're learning you made a mistake think about it contemplate what you could have done better maybe it was nothing maybe it was just fate just bad luck then you can go back out and and, and try again and and if you believe in yourself which uh, is a real powerful force of nature just having this mental switch turned on just saying I'm going to succeed I'm going to do what I 
see in my mind's eye, I'm going to manifest my vision in, into reality. The optimism piece of that is, is such a, a powerful current. If you combine belief and, and optimism, this has been studied. Um, optimism is, is one of the most powerful mindsets to create long-term success in life. So um, just looking at losing as learning, then you're always winning. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this chat as much as I am. For more great content, courses, and lifestyle, go to BeBetterMedia.tv. That's so true. <laughs> so true. Do you, was that something that you feel like you always had? Or do you remember like when the, was it a switch that flipped that was like, no, I believe that I can create the life that I want to create? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I grew up with or, or always had. I, I was probably growing up, um, it's like a little bit above average you know, um, still am probably just a little bit above average in, in most ways. I think I'm, I'm starting to lean into my gifts a little bit more um, as, I, as I kind of practice what I preach around this, where I, I'm believing and I'm, I'm taking action and um, I'm seeing it unfold in ways that I wasn't expecting and that I am uh, sort of verifying the, the process. So, I, And th this has built up over time when I was uh, living in the East Coast, I think that's where I was probably near my lowest. Um, I was working at a, a soul-killing job. I, you know, just left college, and then I just had, you know, the idea, the belief that I wanted to move to California, live by the beach, and work at a, a cool startup that's in the conscious capitalism space. And then I look back now, and I think, wow, I made that happen, and it wasn't an accident. And now the thought process is, okay, how can I, what can I do next? What, what's the next cool thing that I could create with its optimism and belief. And I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your experience with it as well, because I think it's such a powerful story to share, um, especially when things seem a lot of, uh, things can seem dark, I think, if, if you look at, through the long, wrong windows, you know, like our, our phones that are out into the news. So I'm, I'm curious to, to know how what your experience was with it too. Amen. And uh, thanks for it's it's amazing. I love these conversations. Um, you know, I, I look back a lot on I grew up a news junkie. I lived in a family that um we had a real my dad was in politics, but you know, a grounded a grounded man who went into politics for public service, not the way that I view politics today. And and over the last 20 years, you know, basically since 9-11, which we're coming up to that anniversary this weekend. Um, when we went to that 24-hour news cycle, I always tell people nothing, everything changed when the news ticker became a 24-7 presence. And we had to fill the news cycle and it became this place of anxiety and selling airtime. And I had to just turn it off. I was raising kids and I didn't like them hearing what was going on. And it over time, I switched to, I, I really gravitated toward the podcast world because I was like, wow, there's a whole parallel universe out there of believers. And it's not what I'm seeing on television. So I turned off my TVs basically, except for sporting events, which I still love sports. And I think sports give people hope is another, you know, it's another avenue of, of, of where we can come together. But that podcast, you know, opening opening ourselves up to deeper thinkers that really want long form content and these kind of conversations, and not that everything should be commentary, but I do think that you know what you're doing, what I'm doing, there's still so much science behind what we're doing, and I think that's important. Um, but the conversation, the human connection, like we cannot lose that, and there's something in the traditional media space that's been lost. So between you know, the, the, that media space and um, 
just too many choices, you know, like just really zero, being able to zero in on what's simple and good. And that, those were in your words in that, that post that I read, like simple is better. Too many choices make people unhappy. And so when I came into the space of optimism, I went through a divorce in 2016. And I, that's really when I started my blog, because I started realizing I wanted my children to have an idea of what their mom was thinking. And I had wished that someone in my family had left a journal because you kind of, sometimes you end up in spaces where you're like, how the heck did I get here? But you win and you grow when you ask those questions and you're not afraid to answer them. So I started my blog and I started realizing that everything that I am going through is, is transforming my life. And it's up to me, not what anybody else thinks, but it's up to me to create the life that I want. And not that we have control over everything, but that belief in yourself and that sense of worthiness that we often lose when, you know, we're shame-based. And if you, like you said, I got a bad grade, I failed that test, I made a mistake. If you hang on to that shame, that sense of unworthiness will absolutely burn you out. So, you know, shame is a big one that I've wrestled with. And, but through this journey, I, you know, optimism has been at the base of everything. And I think it's the energy that gives us the, the drive to go forward. So yeah, that's, you know, it, it, it's a big one for me and people know it like that's, it, it sticks. And I, I, I don't like the idea that, you know, people will say, well, it's rose colored glasses. Well, only if you don't back it up with the discipline and the, the work that obviously goes into making your life a conscious place that, you know, you're making things happen. So um, yeah, I, I would, um, your day job, I would love to know, are you working in a place that kind of supports, um, a, a, my, a growth mindset and an optimistic mindset? Yes. Yeah. I, I work in, in tech, um, um, work for a company called Thrive Market. Um, and so we're working to make healthy food easy and affordable for everyone. Obviously, um, you know, I, my presence online has nothing to, to do with that, but um, I've always, you know, been drawn to companies that are making a positive change in the world since um, having some experience working for a large financial firm that was basically just making rich people richer. And I think a lot of people are sort of stuck in that. And then if you're giving the bulk of your energy and um, bulk of your day, your time, your life to these organizations that don't align with you and beliefs and values that can be a real soul suck and yeah. it's like a big pay cut and a big risk I'm trying to find uh, a better path and I uh, you know, eventually got there but it wasn't you know it wasn't straightforward I, I also I worked at you know a, a bike shop for a while here in Los Angeles I worked for um, a company that was trying to deliver um, food from the farmer's market to um, just people who ordered it. So it was like driving an hour with like a bag of lemons. To, like, <laughs> it's like cool idea, but it, it, didn't, it didn't quite pan out. Um, and then I worked, I worked for Tesla for a little bit selling solar panels, just like in, um, in Home Depot, walking around saying like, hey, you wanna go solar? And they're like, I live in an apartment. Like I'm just trying to buy a new toilet seat, leave me alone. So that was like, it's, it's like the career, the career whole, the whole career path, you know, idea is fascinating talking about, you know, our economy and trying to like, recreate it it's it's such a really such a giant machine that we're up against and, and now I'm trying to find something that I can do um, to provide that would be unique to me that I can create on my own something that doesn't already exist 
um, something in the health and movement space has been a primary focus of my, my free time to try and uh, try and create more just exactly as we said before just we get yeah. to yeah, I, I'm really curious as to um, how you're connecting in that space. Are you doing personal coaching or are there, are there ways that people can connect with your wisdom beyond, I, I, beyond Instagram? Yeah, I, I became a certified health coach um, years ago and I've never used it. Recently, people have been reaching out the more I've been sharing online. So I created a site and I'm offering um, coaching through there. People can reach out to me on any social media platform. If, if they'd like to connect on, on anything, health, fitness, movement, vitality, um, I have a bit of a different perspective on, on holistic health and I'm happy to share it with anyone who's willing to, to go on that journey. And um, yeah, yeah. Can, it's, you, um, give me, can you give me just a little, a, a synopsis on what you consider to be holistic health? Absolutely. Yeah, so it, I guess you could say every single touch point affects our, our health. So everything from the water we drink, the food we eat, the shoes that we wear or don't wear, the um, relationships that we have, um, how we work out, where we work out, what we eat, what we don't eat, um, everything really can be optimized, tweaked, and, and changed to create a different output. We're, we're expressions of the choices that we make um, over time. So just having the courage to make different choices will result in a different output. Yeah. Yeah. Choices, choice. I don't think people realize there's a, there's a beautiful Ted talk that I love by Caroline Miss. And she just talks about the choices, choices that matter. And it's a beautiful, it's, it's only about 25 minutes, but her point being, it's the little choices that we make over and over and over again everyone thinks oh it's the big like which job did I take or which house did I buy but what time do you get up in the morning like do you get some morning sunlight do you talk to how many people do you talk to every day how much movement do you get like it's little choices that add up over time that end up having such an incredible impact on happiness which you know I sometimes I even struggle with that word because it's like what are we really you know you want to be happy or do you want to you know, that toggle between like happiness and, and deep meaning and joy. And I think that those simple choices really add up to end up adding up to, to the amount of deep meaning and joy that we can find in our lives, but they get overlooked, you know, in Absolutely. the busyness of American life, they get overlooked. So. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of the mainstream default choices that we're presented with are somewhat antithetical to forming sort of long-term um, okayness, I guess you could call it. Like we're kind of driven towards happiness. And for a lot of people that, that might mean like going out and drinking alcohol or like going out to a restaurant or, you know, having, you know, sugar, like is, you know, Coca-Cola, what is, isn't their slogan something like open happiness or, or like McDonald's, like all, all these big, you know, fast food yeah. companies that kind of leverage our desire to be happy and um, kind of steal away a lot of our energy because it'll be like a short-term bump. And then you kind of have to suffer the consequences and it's sad. Um, but it, I, what I am really sort of frustrated with on one hand, but also enthused by on the other hand is, is this realization that I'm happier than I ever was on that path. Once, you know, eating healthy, isn't a 
struggle. It's not suffering. It, yeah, movement it's not practice. restrictive. It's, right? no, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. I, and it activates this like energy and this positive mood. And you get all this serotonin from healing your gut. And it, it's just, it's so much better. And just finding a way to communicate that to sort of counter the narratives of like, oh, you're gonna have to struggle in the gym and suffer. Um, you know, during mealtime, it's like, no, this is all, this is all fun. It's all joy. It's all a way to access a better life through every moment, really. It just builds. It just gets, it just gets better and better. So yeah. And I've seen a ton of momentum around this. You know, there's something that's hitting, hitting me right now. And only because I, I too, like I've walked this road of, of, you know, I think it's evolution and it's changing. And when we're always works in progress, right. And sometimes when you're on that road, um, as you, make different choices other things fall away right and other relationships might fall away or places you hang out or jobs you might keep or things like that can you speak to a little bit you know how to handle that feeling of loneliness that comes with evolution in my in my experience it it's got to be one of the more difficult aspects of a change for sure um, if you have trust and faith in, in yourself and your soul and the, the reason why you are doing what you're doing, you will connect with others who are on the same path. More and more of us are, are waking up to this parallel life, as, as you mentioned earlier, and, and you will connect with others. Uh, one thing that I've found really over the past two years that I didn't know about before is that if you are sharing yourself, honestly, online, sharing your journey, through Twitter, through TikTok, through Instagram, whatever platform appeals to you, you will connect with other people and some of them will live nearby and then you might be able to grill with them and share a steak or drink some coffee or go work out. This, I had no idea about this until two years ago and, and maybe it's increased a lot ever since I think lockdowns may have been a catalyst for more people to jump online and start being authentic. But wow, this, I mean, I would absolutely say those, those two things, one, just to have trust, faith and courage and, and the other to share and, and connect. Yeah, oh, I think that that's so beautiful. And I, I think it is really freeing once you once you find that place where you realize that, you know, being real is the only way forward. And, you know, I was thinking this morning, like we all struggle with different things, right? And so you can get into conversations with people where you might know something about their struggle. And I always say, like, nobody ever knows the full extent of what someone's life really really looks like or what they're going through. Um, and that's where kindness, you know, and compassion always comes in for me. Um, but I think like, it's our job to wrestle with what our things are, rather than look and say, hey, here's your problem. Like you should look at your drinking problem or your, your, your the way you handle your relationships and really being able to turn that lens and that look in the mirror and say, okay, what are the things that I can do to make myself better rather than pointing that finger and thinking that that's somehow going to help the world or help you feel better. And do you, do you have any feelings on, you know, when you run into projection or, you know, how it is that we can have the courage to look at really we're the only thing we can change? You know, yeah, that's a really difficult one. It's 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 so tough. It is. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think just like reminding yourself, you know, what was it? Um, I think I guess Gandhi said it best. It was like just be the change you want to see in the world. And I guess um, having some space to kind of contemplate that, contemplate yourself. It, it's it's so easy to, um, you know 
I'm going to butcher this quote, something about seeing the log in someone else's eyes, you know, you know, oh, that one? yes, yes, is the splinter. Yeah, it's easier <laughs> to, to, to focus on the splinter in someone else's eye instead of <laughs> removing the log in your own. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that was like Jesus who said that or, or yeah. like it's in the Bible or something. So this is like yeah. a deep rooted human problem. And like, I don't know if anyone really has a good answer for it, but I, with a lot of these deep rooted human problems, like I find contemplation is, is super helpful. Um, just having some stillness and time set aside where you can just be with yourself to sort of like remind you of, of or, you know, just like kind of look at, look at these things like a little bit closer, um, just to kind of re-examine them every once in a while and make sure that you're not just like, you know, yeah. focusing on the wrong things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of my favorite questions I like to ask um, people that come on what I meant to say is if, if as you look back on your life and one, I also love seeing like you're, you're younger than me and I love seeing people of your generation making these evolutionary steps and learning things younger than I learned them. I'm super driven by that. So it's, it's really cool to see, but I'm wondering what piece of advice you would give to your younger self. It's a deep question, yeah. Oh gosh, I guess I guess I would I would I would encourage him to tune in uh, to look more um, within my own intuition, my own soul. Look, uh, pay attention to the subtle shifts in energy, and and pay less attention to what others are doing. Pay less attention to the crowd, to the advice that is, is shared by experts, and really spend more time uh, delving into your own beliefs and and your own intuitions and your own calling your own vision um especially at a, at a younger age i feel like the people who are um having the best life are always kind of in tune with that and it's something that i i didn't quite catch on to to a little bit later in my 20s and um it's been powerful so that would be a big one that i'd like to try and share with as many people who would be receptive to it as possible yeah well i think through your coaching that might be and you know and obviously through your 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 social media reach and the wise words you put out there, you're doing it. So um, I, you know, and, and also seeing like the work that you're doing on yourself and the way that you live your life, I'm wondering what is your vision? What's your hope that your evolution, what is that, that your evolution is going to bring to the world? Like, what is your hope that you will connect with um, beyond yourself? It connects back with a lot of what we've talked about, just trying to evolve as my daemon, as my inner voice as kind of dictates and, and, and says um, each step of the way. I, I don't have too tight of a grip on, on what that will unfold to be over the long term. I just want to take it really kind of day by day, moment by moment, season by season as much as possible and follow my curiosities, my passions in ways that I know could be helpful, could be in service of my community, my friends and my family. Um, specifically, some things that I'm really focused on and, and energized by are, are bicycling as, as a mode of transit. I haven't had a car, I've been cycled over 22,000 miles over all over LA in the past seven years. And I really love that. Um, just eating nutrient dense food, uh, minimally processed and multi-day fasting has been a recent joy in my life over the past year. Um, so like things that aren't, being talked about as much as they should be because I know there's so much value there and and just finding a way to, to share it to a broader audience because if it helped me so much I know it can help other people so just finding ways to, to share these ideas is, is a primary focus for me in these 
these upcoming years. Yeah, that's all such good stuff. And I mean, talk about walking the walk. And I'm I'm curious if you would share a little bit more about the multi-day fasting. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this one, I I have to be a little bit careful around around okay. talking about this just because I don't want anyone to just jump right in or, or to be sort of offended by the fact that I'm not eating for five days. This was a practice that I, I built up to over time and it started um, December of 2020 when I had COVID, I lost my taste and my smell. So that was the only um, the only symptom I had. Luckily, I was, I was perfectly fine aside from that, but I, I wanted to taste my food again. I wanted to smell my coffee in the morning and enjoy yeah. my delicious meals. And, and this voice inside me was said, fast for three days. So I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I, I fasted for 80 hours. And then when I replenished and re-nourished myself, I could taste it again. I thought, wow, this is really cool. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. And I'm sure it could have been a coincidence, but um, I have studied it deeply since and I've practiced it more and I've shared it with others. Um, I've built up to a four-day fast and then a five-day fast. And the, the reason why I went five days was because I had a pretty bad back injury that was lingering for months. And I had read this book called Beyond Fasting by Dr. Dan Pompa, who talks about the way multi-day fasting regenerates your body. Um, and, and around day five, you get a large surge of stem cells. So I thought, well, this could be an excellent way to test the method and repair my body. And sure enough, after 133 hours, I, I went back to eating and I could climb the rope down at Muscle Beach perfectly well, had no pain. Um, more, most recently, um, I did a summer fast of three days, was joined by around 20 other people and, and nothing but positive reviews. People, um, it's amazing how good you feel when you let your body rest, repair and regenerate for um, a longer period of time than mostly everyone is used to. And there's a, a deep, deep history, mostly in spiritual traditions around fasting as a, as a method of, of up-leveling your body and mind and um, really is powerful. Yeah, that is super fascinating. And I'll make sure we get all of these, the, the books that you're mentioning too um, in the show notes, because um, you've mentioned some good ones and um, it's definitely something I don't know enough about, but it's really interesting to hear, um, you know, your personal experience. And I always say, like, I, I think we get really thrown off by feeling like we need to be right. And again, that's what I love about stories is if you're just, you're sharing your personal experience and that's one, it's very generous of you and open, but two, it's your personal experience. So it's not wrong, you know? And so <laughs> of course I, I, I always say, you know, consult your doctor and we're not doctors, but we're having a human conversation. And if you've had those experiences, I think it's super important that, you know, people get to hear about them. And so, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's really powerful. So, and um, are you drinking, you're drinking water during a fast? So or? I, the way I do it is, is zero calories. I haven't done a strict water fast. Um, the way I view that is, is a little bit more of a, a spiritual cleanse, whereas not okay. even getting any taste or flavor. I'll have black coffee. I'll have um, herbal tea. I'll have sparkling water. Um, and then around three teaspoons of, of salt a day. So it'll be breakfast, lunch, and dinner is like a teaspoon of salt. And, and that helps to make sure you have electrolytes and then and stay um, vitalized, especially because I, I have to work. So um, it's not like I can just lounge around for, you know, four or five days, yeah. but yeah. And then, and then I just kind of use that more of a, of a rest time for my movement practice. It's mostly mellow yoga. I'm not doing any intense exercise during that. Um, and I'd say that the 
one of my favorite aspects is how much less sleep you need and how energized and, and positive my mood is. Um, especially once I got used to fasting, um, the third, fourth, and fifth day are really quite remarkable. Once you get into that deeper ketosis, once autophagy starts happening in, in, in a more powerful way, which is the, the way that our body uses our fat cells and our, our inner energy to create um, life. So when, you know, this is the whole purpose of fat cells. A lot of people talk about shame. A lot of people are, look at their fat cells with shame, you know, as if it's a bad thing, but your body looks at that as a survival tool, as a necessary aspect of life or death. Like we need fat cells because our ancestors went through long periods without food. And even the Maasai, which is a hunter gatherer tribe in Africa will go month, months without food when there's no, no nothing to harvest and, and hunts are, you know, not coming back successful. So this is what we call fat cells and it's just stored energy. So the way that our body turns that into energy is they'll take the mutated, deformed and, and, and potentially um, maladaptive ones first and it burns those for energy. So this um, was a Nobel prize winning discovery in Japan in the early 2000s. It's called autophagy and it, it's a great way to help protect yourself against long-term degenerative disease because um, mostly for me, it, it's cancer. Having had a, a tumor in my arm in my early 20s, that is a primary driver for me to want to kind of do that cellular cleanup every every so often. And um, yeah, I do really just went on a, a long tangent there. I kind of forget the original. No, question. there is so much in that <laughs> making me so curious. So hopefully it will, um, you know, in, entice some of our, our listeners too to, to, to ask some more questions because, you know, we have a world that is addicted to, you know, we are a drug-based culture, unfortunately, and I am, I'm passionate about holistic healing and, and ways that we can activate our own bodies because they're amazing. And the more, the deeper, the more I learn about it, it's that, that concept of the more I learn, the less I realize I know. And I love hearing stuff like this because it does just keep you curious and learning. So I, I thank you for sharing all of that. Really <laughs> you're cool. welcome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's and it's one thing that I would say if if you're curious or if anyone is, is curious to like kind of build up slowly, you know, it's it's difficult to do and it's really a really heavy mind game. Like I love food and I want to be eating it three times a day. So to say that I'm not gonna have it for four days is like it's a, a bit confronting. So it, it took a while to build up to that. And then also just having the experience of how good it feels it really is activating a super state, like evolutionarily, if you weren't eating food, your body would need to up-level, to up-regulate because, okay, we need to find something or we're gonna perish here. So tapping into this deep state that has been verified through thousands of generations of evolution is, is something that most people haven't accessed and, and I'm excited about it because it's really, it's really great. Like, I, I just don't describe it and I'm gonna sound like a maniac, but if you ever experience it, it's, you'll know what I mean. And um, yeah, it's, it's cool stuff. Really, really cool. So I think with that, I would love to know, like, how, how can people connect with you? Um, how can we help them find you? And um, yeah, your coaching and just your words, all of that. I'm Case Bradford across most social media. I've got links kind of connecting everything. Um, should be pretty easy to find through that avenue. And I'm always happy to, to talk about anything via DM or we can hop on a Zoom or phone call or, or meet up if you're in Southern California for some coffee or some steak. And um, yeah, I'm excited to to connect with anyone that, that wants to talk about any of this stuff. And it's, um, yeah, been a really fun conversation too. Thank you for, for asking yeah, so many no. great questions. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it completely. And I love, um, you know, your enthusiasm and your, it, it's, it's, contagious and um 
it's I love what you're doing out there. So um, we are definitely we're in the same neck of the woods. So maybe we'll end up meeting up one day in person. But thank you so much for joining me today. And um, I think there's a lot of great things to help people here. So I, I appreciate your time. Beautiful. Looking forward to it. Thanks again. Yeah. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to what I meant to say. If you enjoyed this conversation, you know what to do. Subscribe, rate, review. And for more great content, courses, and lifestyle, go to BeBetterMedia.tv.